It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, Nate, I just want to tell you, I have one Christmas wish, one Christmas miracle that I'm asking for this year. Tell me, little Stephen. <laughs> that was my Santa voice. I didn't I actually say Oh, very, okay, very good. Very it's fine. Liam Neeson, bad. the uh, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> I would like restaurateurs and baristas to go back to pronouncing my name as Stephen. I don't know when it happened. But I blame Stephen Curry. Um, That's how you say his name, right? You say yeah, Stephen Curry. Yeah. Right. And you shorten it to Steph, right. right. Steph Curry. Well, now, everywhere I go, the uh, Chick-fil-A, the Starbucks, any place where they ask my name and they just see it written first, their default now is Stephen. Yeah, uh, the, the, no PH, the PH does, does something. If I didn't know you, I may, I may guess Stephen. But I didn't think, I don't think it used to be that way. I think there used to be an understanding that probability is this is a Stephen and not a Stephen. Right. And so Stephen Curry, I know you listen to this podcast. <laughs> listen, no, no hard feelings. thank you. And we thank you. Yes, we thank you. Thank you for your endorsement. No hard feelings, but you have made my life infinitely harder. No one knows that PH Do you correct is people Stephen. when they say Stephen or do you just roll with it? Nate, let me ask you, of what you know of me and how I deal with, with people. Roll with it. Roll with <laughs> it. Lean with that's it. Ex- Rock with it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I do. I, I don't correct anyone. I just say uh, thank you. And they say my pleasure. They say, no, call me Steph. I, I have one other thing to tell you, Nate, before we jump into this movie. Yeah, let's do it. It was an impromptu uh, situation, but I tried eggnog last night. <gasps> And I, I recorded it for you and for our listeners. I yes. have a video of, of, the, of the event. And so I will post that on the Movies on the Side Instagram exclusively Ooh. For, for those who would like to see my reaction to the eggnog. Hey, hey this is just for me and you. I like yes. your marketing efforts there with the Instagram. Thank you. Really nice. Thank, thank you very Don't much. Don't tell anyone, but it's pretty nice. I won't tell anybody. Yeah, you're welcome. So I won't, I won't discuss my feelings. I, I, I expressed what I thought of it in the moment. I even rated it uh, from zero to five. And so uh, you can go there wow. and, and see what that's about. I need, now, the, I need to yeah. su- now I need to follow movies on the side on Instagram. Great. <laughs> it's, it's about time. It's about time. Have you, have you dug into your eggnog carton yet? Uh, no, no. I'm saving that for probably Christmas Eve. Maybe even Christmas Day. Do you, do you plan to drink the carton in its entirety on no, Christmas I'm Eve and to, day? I'm going to share with my family. I could. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I will, I will share it. Listeners, fans, this is a two-part Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah spectacular. That's right. Friends, countrymen, lend me your ears. We're going to be talking about a beloved Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, the movie. But then we have multiple top fives and uh, Christmas, Chris, Chris, can't, uh, can't say Christmas, Chris, apparently. Chris, Chris, that's going to be Chris difficult Kringle. for this podcast. Yeah. Yes, that's right. 
we are going to be I discussing know all your Tim Allen references. <laughs> we're going to be doing all the top fives of Christmas songs, the worst Christmas songs, and all that. So this is a two-parter, a special to be continued uh, kind of episode. We watched the 1946 movie. It's a Wonderful Life. What do you want, Stephen? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lash around. I'll pull it in, Stephen. That's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> that I'm, was excellent. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for my, uh, all, all these years, for my Jimmy Stewart impression to come out. So this, this was my first time ever viewing this movie in Ooh. its entirety. And so I, I watched it. I'm so it nervous with, about what you think. So nervous. With clean eyes. Now, does this mean you've seen this like regularly, like almost annually? Yes. Almost. That's annually. incredible. Yes. So I did a couple things here. I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes. I wasn't sure if there would be a Rotten Tomatoes for a movie of this age. Oh, is there one? <laughs> there is, and it is an incredible score of ninety-three critic Rotten Tomato and ninety-five audience satisfaction. Are they? Are there critics? critics of the time which it was released or are these kind of these are retroactive critics oh, okay okay got it which which i think speaks even more highly of the movie being sure. like 50 to 60 years removed and yet still uh just really positive reviews and then i also which i like to do with some movies look up the famous roger ebert's review of this mm. movie Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He reviewed it January 1st, 1999. And I will include this link in show notes because it is an incredible review. He gave it four stars, which I believe is the highest out of rating. four, right? Yeah, four out of four. Yeah, I think he only went to four, right? He only went up to four. So this is a perfect score from Roger e- Ebert. And he gushes over this movie. Uh, you, you should read it. It's really a, a thing of, of beauty. And he really... <laughs> He says the best thing that happened to this movie was when it was no longer under copyright and could be shown on all the network television stations annually. He said that was the oh, best I, thing yeah, that ever, think, ever happened to it. Absolutely. It became like a, you know, people tune in just like how I believe, is it Ten Commandments airs at, at Easter? Something like it's that. A, yeah, yeah. It's a Wonderful Life is, was like, you know, set your clocks by it. CBS showing of its wonderful life, whatever. Yeah. I remember that growing up. It was available. And so he said that was the best thing that ever happened. And then the worst thing that ever happened to this movie they was when it. it was colorized. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he said when it was colorized, the colorized version was then copyrighted. And so networks had to pay like gobs of money for the colorized version. And they did. And networks began to pay and air. <laughs> Roger Ebert calls it the garish colorized version, destroying the purity of the classic original black oh, and white images. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with him. Now, did you watch it colorized or did you watch it black and white? I watched it black and white. And okay. if I'm ever to watch a movie of this age, I would prefer to watch it in its original colorization or non you know like if it right, if it right, aired right. black and white like i want to see it in black and white and that's sure. what was available on amazon prime too i don't even know if they had the color version but uh, you can watch the black and white one there amazing rotten tomato scores amazing endorsement from roger ebert now i 
really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it with my uh, children, mm-hmm. which was an interesting, interesting experience. No, I just want to say something real quick. I have to admit that growing up, this movie was a a tough climb. Because yes. if you had asked me, how long is this movie? As uh, up until the age of 18, <laughs> I think I would have told you five hours long. <laughs> the length of Pearl Harbor, basically. This, yeah. This movie is only two hours and ten minutes long. But up until adulthood, I would have told you, maybe because I watched it on TV and with the commercials, it ended up being five hours. Right. But this movie is rather slow at times, which I think is its greatest critique, is that modern attention spans, it right. does sort of trudge along. My, my six-year-old asked how much longer to this movie, starting at about the 45-minute mark. So, yeah, yeah. six-year-old, yeah. a little, little, little long That's for a six-year-old. So let, let's go through just a little bit of it, and I, I will Ooh. reserve all my judgments till the end. But I do want to say I miss orchestra intros. When mm-hmm. the credits roll at the beginning... And it's just a nice orchestral score. I miss those days. I think we lost something with the. Um, I love all. I love a lot of Hans Zimmer. But I think we lost something and all but that. It's uh, grand. It is grand. And grand. this movie is directed by Frank Capra, who yes. also. Put this in your back pocket. He also directed Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which <laughs> is my favorite Jimmy Stewart movie of all time. And a great, <laughs> uh, if you love democracy and love uh, believing in it, he's like, the, uh, he's like the Midwesterner who goes to Washington to like okay. try to like break down bureaucracy. And it is fantastic. So if you ever get a chance, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Frank Capra also directed Arsenic and Old Lace, another oh. old movie, best to be seen in black and white, which is ridiculous about a pair of old ladies who <laughs> murder people. <laughs> Sounds kind of interesting. But a actually. comedy. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's right, that, That's my Frank Capra plug. Well, it, it's an interesting intro with, you know, there's a lot of praying at the beginning for this George person. Mm-hmm. And then we we have that the the angels talking in the glowing galaxies at the beginning. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. That was the special effects back in nineteen forty six. That shot Blinking Stars. That model moon that like flies in the frame and out is just yeah. so fake. It's so fake. But it was fun. Yeah. I mean I loved it. It's it's fun. There was this one line that the angels say that uh I thought it was pretty good. You know, one of them say, asks, is he sick? And the other one say, no, worse. He's discouraged. Yeah. And that's, I thought that was a really good line and uh, kind of timeless. And that's one of the things that Roger Ebert says a lot in his review is there are movies. He says movies fall into two categories. You watch it once, the mystery is solved, and you won't watch it again because mm-hmm. there's nothing new to learn from it. He said there are movies that are timeless and you can watch over and over again every year. He said, "This falls in the latter," and uh, and I could see that. There, there's some certain lines here, and and just his life story. Certain I mean, themes. George. There's, yeah, there are certain yeah. themes in this movie that are just are timeless. 
they're timeless and uh, i could see myself watching it again there's a couple weird moments that i want to get to (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i I did want to just mention it was interesting when george barely goes home towards the beginning of the movie and he's having dinner with his dad and brother and they have a maid and i don't i don't know if in this time it was considered a slave or just a like housemaid but that was interesting no i i don't think so i but yes I think that was just a yes, a house like a paid person. But yeah, but the, it was age interesting. Super well, yes. <laughs> it doesn't age super well, and and the brother like the, there's a couple things. Basically, the treatment of women, which maybe I would like to get your mm-hmm. opinion on. Mm-hmm. But like the brother, like playfully slaps the handmaid as she like goes into the kitchen to say, you know, don't touch my pies or whatever. And I was like, mm, that's a little weird. Yep, and the. Yep. But she also has a funny line where George Bailey invites her to sit down, and she's like, Well, Annie, why, why, why don't you draw up a chair? Then you'd be more comfortable, and you could hear everything that's going on. I would if I thought I'd hear anything worth listening to. You would. <laughs> that's pretty good. You gave her a good line. Right. They kind of have a back-and-forth banter between the two. Yeah. But along, along with that, and then I'll, I'll kick it to you to see what you think, but the scene when George Bailey and, is it Mary? Yes. Mary is the, Yeah. You know, they they have a very romantic stroll and they're singing together. I like those moments. What do you want, Mary? What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. And then, you know, she runs away for a moment and the, her robe gets caught and she runs She's into in a the bush. Bushes. Right. She's in the bush and then George Bailey, like, Basically teases that he's not going to give this robe back, and he has like a couple weird lines of like, "Should I sell tickets? Should I invite the whole town?" And I was like, "Right, that feels a little, a little weird." So yeah, yes, I would say that after the the pool party when a, like a yes. people jump yeah, the, into the, the pool, <laughs> yes, which I did love that scene. Like the floor opens up because that guy's trying to sabotage George Bailey. And then everyone just That's jumps in the pool. That's only ever happened in movies. I've never seen something <laughs> open up to a pool, ever. No, but it must, um, it must have existed. I don't, I don't think they built yeah, that just for the movie. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, yes. Yeah. That scene is probably the most problematic as far as yes. their, their relationship together. Yeah, he is kind of... The, the power dynamic there is a little... Oof. No, I would say the... Their relationship later, I feel like, is far more impactful, believable. Like their grown-up right. relationship and his kind of frustrations with everything, and the way that he goes back and she doesn't recognize him. It is a little strange that, again, this is a probably a fault of the time that if he never existed, she became what was it like a library <laughs> an old maid cat lady the an- yeah the angel calls her an old maid and you know <laughs> when she walks out of that library at the end of the movie like she looks very nice she's right. got nice round glasses and her hair is pulled back i'm like in today's standards like this is far from an old right. maid like yes. that was kind of funny that is very um that's troubling but that's like the view of most of these of that time period like hey the worst thing that could happen to you is you are a pretty young woman and you don't get married and grow up to be an old maid. Right. It's like, 
Okay. You're immediately uh, immediately an yeah. old maid, even though you're right. still like, twenty something. Yeah, other people like other people get imprisoned, and his brother is dead, but Mary is <laughs> not married, single. Oh, she's man. single. Oh, man. the worst, the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What a terrible did, uh, <laughs> future. Well, a couple things in that first scene with George and Mary, um, he asks her her age, and she says eighteen. She says, "Is that too old or too young?" And he says, no, I think it fits you perfectly. And those kinds of lines that a guy can deliver that are not, you know, because a lot of times if you try to answer that question like now in 2018, there'd be so many wrong ways to answer it and they would be taken the wrong yes. way. But yeah. I feel like his line was perfect. Like, <laughs> like what he said in the moment yep. was ideal. Like it was perfectly, it could not be taken insulting. It could not, I don't know. It, it just, I miss those kinds of lines. Right. This, well thought of lines. His lines in this movie, I mean, at, when he's young and carefree, he delivers them with such charm that it's somewhat, it does a disservice because for everyone else who tries to do lines like his, it's like super creepy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, please don't imitate young George Bailey at all. Right. Uh, but, right. and maybe it's just because of the, of the time, I give it the smallest of passes for that. But yes, I completely understand like it that is the part that is not as timeless. Right. And when he eventually comes back, like he owns the the building firm or whatever and he comes back to see Mary. Building alone. Building alone. He comes back to see Mary. Hey Christmas y'all building alone. <laughs> when he comes in and he's he's already discouraged. And he meets Mary, and Mary has the little drawing of him in the moon, you know. And another friend calls, like, I, I felt that scene. Like, I felt bad for him. I, I could see he is discouraged. I could see Mary is trying to love him. You know, I, I didn't come here to... What did you come here for, then? I don't know. You tell me. You're supposed to be the one that has all the answers. You tell me. Why don't you go home? That's where I'm going. I don't know why I came here in the first place. Good night. Good night! And then that whole, like phone call conversation gets weird he he's like he says i don't want to marry anyone ever and then kisses mary <laughs> and then they're getting married in the next scene right and so i like i i don't want to marry you not now not ever i don't want to marry you <laughs> that's exactly what he said i'll kiss me mary no i'll marry <laughs> yes strange I, I it's strange like but i felt he i think he was being real and like it's a obviously a conflict of emotions, and it's like the beginning of his tearing of what he had always wanted to do, which was travel the world and right. you know be this amazing traveler, businessman, builds airports and all this stuff, and wanting to settle down and be stuck in this town forever. So you you see, and maybe it's they just portrayed a little too strongly, but I I, I felt it like I, I saw yes. the the conflict. They really so I, leaned into it. Like here are here's the young people full of dreams, and it's like. He looks at his life and goes, "Oh, this is all I did with it." And to him, right? Then that's what he needs correction on. It's to him, it's like this is the biggest letdown. But let's right. jump. Let's jump to okay. So life's getting is difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Potter is like the, <laughs> the great antagonist. Um, I hate that guy. Like the, <laughs> like the old guy in the Mary Poppins. He's just right. all about money. And then Uncle Billy <laughs> loses the the um, the envelope. Was it an envelope? He, he lost an envelope of eight thousand dollars. 
Yes. I can tell you, this is from my heart. Every time I watch this movie, I think to myself, maybe he'll find it this time. Like, <laughs> I literally watch this movie hoping that Uncle Billy will not lose this money. I don't know. It's like, what? It, yeah. I feel so, maybe it's someone like, I, I lose things from time to time. It is the worst to watch this guy go from like, they're all excited to destitute. Well, then you have you have this theme of their business is on the verge of going bankrupt at a hair's breadth at any mm-hmm. point. You know, there's the the day they get married, and he has to go back into the business, and they basically give away all their honeymoon money to all right. their patrons. You know, otherwise yep. they'll all go to Mr. Potter, and then they have two single dollars left, and they have this funny exchange of like, "Well, let's put it in the safe and see if it multiplies." <laughs> this <laughs> like this rabbits. Optim- <laughs> this is optimistic, but you feel the gravity of the situation view of yes. things. But they have and that view of like, our love will, that's all we need. We don't need all this money. And that was delightful. Right, but, but George Bailey, you know, never wanted to be in that yep. we're $2 left situation. Yep. You know, and, and you see it like from his speech to the board right after his father dies, that he feels the ideal. Like he wants the ideal where mm-hmm. we take care of the people who don't have the money but that everyone at least deserves a good couple rooms and a bath right. to, to live in. And so you know that he has this ideal, and it's just the years of only having $2 in the safe that wore on him to the very end. You know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. And, and after they lose that $8,000 and he goes to Mr. Potter, like that is the most humiliating. Yes. Like I really, really felt for him in that scene. Yes. Like it's heart, it's heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we go to the bridge scene. Are we going to the bridge well, now? Well, 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 but first he goes home. And he has like the really angry exchange with his kids and wife, you know, and he, he tells the daughter to stop playing and, you know, he kicks over the table. Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it. Yeah, she's playing Hark the Herald Angels Sing nonstop <laughs> on repeat. He can't take it anymore. And so, you know, he crashes and he everything and. Right. Yeah. And Mary says, why are you torturing the kids? And, and he leaves. And so he goes to the bar where he runs into the teacher's husband that he just reamed out on the phone the scene earlier. Yeah. And he punches him in the face. And then he crashes his car into the tree. Mm-hmm. And then he almost gets hit by another car. And he says, watch where you're going. Mm-hmm. And then he's on the bridge. And then he's on the bridge. Right. Which is the, that's the one iconic image that I, I knew of the movie. It was him on the bridge, you know. I okay. Didn't know anything about how he got him there. on the snowy yeah. bridge. Yes. And then, and then in comes Clarence, <laughs> the angel that doesn't have his wings yet, the bumbling angel, <laughs> which he's he's on the bridge, but instead of just talking to George, he jumps in the river. <laughs> I thought that was great. I thought it was great, and my one note from that scene is George Bailey's dive into that river. Ten out uh-huh. of ten. He has a oh, perfect man. dive. 
like epic dive. Uh, which epic also dive into an icy, icy river. That's true. If we are to believe it's snow and not right around him, which made me think, if he was planning to commit suicide, he obviously survived <laughs> that jump to save the angel. I don't oh, think. Yeah. I don't know how right. he would have thought jumping off that bridge was would kill him, unless he just lays face down in the water. I don't know. Like that was a little. <laughs> clearly, it's not too yeah, high. You're right. I never thought about that plot hole. It's a little plot, but he is so distraught. Like, you know, I get it. And he was drunk. You know, maybe he would knock himself out. Right. Who knows? But uh, Cla- <laughs> Clarence. What do you angel. think about Clarence? What do you think about Clarence? You saw I him didn't, with adult eyes. I did not like Clarence at first. Mm-hmm. When, they're, when they're in that, like, bridge hut and that bridge wa- worker is in there who keeps, like, yep. falling off his chair. I, I wasn't crazy about Clarence. He was, he was too bumbling. And I understand mm-hmm. he was supposed to be. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. a... A noob, noob angel. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust on the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. Yes. But... It, it took me a while to warm up to Clarence. Like, basically, when we got to the cemetery scene, you know, and he mm-hmm. sees his, his younger brother, like, from then on, I was good with Clarence. But at first, I was like, was there no one else? <laughs> no one else. <laughs> you couldn't send anybody else, this huh? role. Right, right. But, but I get it. Like, he was, he was fine. He, he played his purpose. And, but I, I honestly, that when he goes into Bedford Falls, and it's now Pottersville. Right. Which they ne- they never explicitly say like, oh well, Mr. Potter owns the town now. You know, they just they have his name as Pottersville, and that main strip is now all like burlesque dance clubs. You know, yep. it, it was very effective. I thought that was effective. Yep. Something that is shown in this movie that I think is super effective and gets me every time is him going to people who. You know, he considers his friends, and is it uh, Bert or or Ernie? One of the the, the are they both? They're literally they're Bert, they're Bert and Ernie. The idea of like these are his friends, um, and the people that he Mm kind of knows, and like I think he visits his mom during that time, right? But the fact that like people don't recognize him, and like those are the people he immediately turns to when he was like, "What's going on here?" uh, is is great and the uh is it the bar owner that's like i forgot what he's right says. he's like, you can well, because get originally, a drink or you can get out of here yeah Something like <laughs> right this this bar's for booze and for good times if you're not willing to pay hit the road Jack. yeah and the, the the bar owner story is one of the more sad ones you know because he he went to jail because of the whole pill thing and um you know is now a bum homeless person right Right. So the, apparently the, there's no connection. The scene the scene of him as a boy getting like kind of beat up by that shop owner was kind of drunk, that, but yeah. like but like yeah, that was a trying disturbing. to tell him like I saved you, like that was super disturbing. That was a little disturbing. Like and again, I understand that it was a different time and so that was not weird. But but today in today's <laughs> right. seeing it with my six and nine a, year olds a little like a boss slapping a little boy around, right. Yeah, yeah, that was a little weird. I like how they transitioned back to reality. They had a nice, when he's back on the bridge, you see the mm-hmm. blood back on his face. 
And yeah. I was like, that's that's pretty good to reveal, you know, and and right. I believed I believed George. Like I, I believed his acting through all of that. <laughs> there is one when he's still seeing the life that would have happened without him after he leaves his mother's house, he stares right at the camera and his eyes get just huge. Right. <laughs> the, both of my kids were like, his eyes. And I was like, yeah, those, <laughs> he really crazy got his eyes, eyes open there. He got crazy Look, eyes crazy during eyes. that point. Yeah. Um, and then the next point I think is maybe one of my favorite parts of the whole movie when he mm-hmm. like is yelling, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, my mouth's bleeding. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Merry Christmas, you old building alone. And he's just yeah, running yeah. down the street. And there's snow. Yeah. Like, he's, like, throwing it around. And he's just... Yeah. It is like the end of the Christmas Carol. You know, exactly. post-Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge. Like, he now is, like, so happy to be alive. That's right. And happy to have the life that he has. Which I think is is just... It's like pure joy in that moment. Yeah, it's it's good. And then the the scene when everyone, you know, they're still $8,000 short, but then all the townspeople come and give him the money. Yeah. You know, that was a nice par- that was a nice parallel from the first scene where he gave all his away. You know, and it's finally you know, pretty convenient <laughs> people bringing like baskets of money in right at the right time, but but it's it was nice. I teared up. I will admit. All right, let's let's rate this movie. Okay, so I was going to <clears throat> Have me go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, yes, let's take a moment and thank one of our faithful listeners, Jackson Agraz. Is that how you say it? Jackson, Jackson Agraz. I still don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry, Jackson. Well, Jackson Agraz did an incredible feat. You know feat. how to say Jackson's last name? <laughs> Agraz. Agraz. Jackson did an incredible thing where he made a Google sheet, which we will link into show notes. Mm. <laughs> Every movie rating that we have done on this show and who has gone first when ranking. And I'll just say we are terrible at alternating every other <laughs> episode, every right. other ranking. And so you, you have rated first way more. Like 65% of the time. <laughs> 65% of the time. So I should probably go first this time. Let's which you go. did go first both, both last time. So uh, thank you, Jackson. And uh, we will put a link thank you, Jackson. To, yes, to that Google Sheet in, uh, in show notes. I was going to rate this from zero to five National Geographics because when he's a kid and he's in that little shop, he's holding this old National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful seeing it cover from that long ago but instead i would like to rate this movie from zero to five insurance policies life insurance mm. policies life. the the stack of papers that he had in his jacket uh, as he was um, about to jump yes. off the bridge all right and so i re- i enjoyed this movie there's some weird knocks against it because of the time and yeah. stuff yep. but it was really enjoyable oh and one more quote before i rate it is the on the there's a sign under his father's picture in the um building and what is it the building in building building and loan building and loan building and under his father's picture it says all you can take with you is what you've given away which i thought was a nice quote so i'm going to rate this 
3.75 life insurance policies. Right. I would I really wanted to think of this movie as a like a family Christmas tradition. And I think just because of those couple scenes it it makes it a little awkward with certain age children. Mm. But but the story itself is wonderful. I, I it really pulled on the heartstrings and I think there are life lessons to be had from it. And uh, George Bailey, I think he did a, a pretty good job uh, overall. And uh, it's great. It's a great movie. So 3.75. All right. All right. What, what are you going to give it, Nate? I'm going to give this movie, we're going into quarters here, I'm going to give it 4.25 insurance policy. <laughs> I, I think I was Good. going into it Gonna about to go four and a half, but you've talked yeah. me down to point two five because yes, there are elements of this that I have to knock for. Um, another line from this movie I really loved when George Bailey says, "I know what I'm going to do tomorrow, and the next day, and the next year, and the year after that." Well, I think he's talking to Mary, and I think it's yeah. the, they has these gold lines and yeah and doing that soda fountain and yelling hot dog, which I still don't know why, but he does. <laughs> I think the yeah. the overall message of the movie, the whole like just enjoying your enjoying the life that you have instead of living your life, you know, thinking about what it could be or what you had, you know, what you had thought it would be when you were young, I think is a wonderful message to appreciate the people around you. The Burtons and Ernie's yeah. in your life. So <laughs> and uh, th- that scene of of them like getting that house that broken down house ready for their honeymoon mm-hmm. night, that was really moving and touching. It was very good. I I view it as a is it biannual? Every two years viewing for me would be or every mm-hmm, three years. Mm-hmm. It is a little long. It just feels a little slow at times. <laughs> but I've yeah. watched this movie a ton, and I will probably continue watching. Yes, very good. And that ends part one of the Christmas Spectacular. That's right, listeners. You will have to tune in next week for multiple top fives of our Christmas Spectacular. And uh, we would encourage you, you know, send us your favorite Christmas songs, your favorite Christmas movies. Tell our listeners what we have in store for them next week. Listeners, we have our top five Christmas songs are worst five Christmas songs or five worst Christmas songs and our top five Christmas movies. So three top fives. We might talk a little bit about our, uh, our childhood traditions uh, when it came to Christmas. And we'd love to hear yours. Tweet them at us at movies on the side, Instagram it to us at movies on the side as well. And go on Instagram for my eggnog tasting. And you know, you could even email us podcast at moviesontheside.com with movie suggestions, your Christmas thoughts, and all that kind of stuff. And thank you for those who rated us five stars recently. And if you haven't yet, we'd appreciate if you go to the iTunes store, Apple podcast on your device, and rate us five stars. Helps us get gets found. I don't know how to say that correctly. Helps us founds gets by, yes. by more people who would enjoy the show. So thank you all. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening tomorrow and the week after that.
Yeah, annoying.